there's certain things I think from from school that you realise you used only in school and have never used or even seen since. Spanish. One being a protractor. German. Well, well, those are yeah classes. Yeah, fair enough. But like actual actual things like a uh, a set square, a calculator. Can't yeah, you're right. I don't actually remember the last time. I, I, if I get stuck, I type it into Google. I don't have a, <laughs> I don't carry a TI around. What was what was that little like half semicircle thing? You used to use in math as well. Oh, the angly thing. Yeah, but what was oh, it called? It's an angly thing. <laughs> angly thing to work out the angles of stuff. Yeah, you just draw angles. At what point? In what career is that useful? A genuine question. I'm sure, like, there all these tools are useful in like woodworking, that kind of thing where you have to do crafting. <laughs> we have to like draw directly on stuff, and you can't just like calculate it and hope for oh. the best. What was the thing where you would like attach your pencil to one leg of it and the other a leg compass. was a pointy? Is that a compass? I, mean, I don't want you to edit that. I want you to show everybody that I answered that right before you'd finished the description. Because <laughs> okay. I'm a but- genius. <laughs> Everybody's, everybody knew the name of that, Colin. I, well, I honestly can remember. I was like, that's yeah, not a compass. Primary purpose was like harming. A compass like tells you where to go in a, in a map. Yeah. It's not the same thing. Yeah, but it's, they've got the same name. Right, okay. Because <laughs> you would just stab it into the bit of paper and then you would like do something and with it. And you draw circles. You, yeah, exactly. You draw circles, yeah. You can draw circles. You can, you can measure stuff with them if you know about if you know the angles you're working Like, is with. that the only thing you ever... I mean, I was stabbed in the hand with one. I mean, they use, they use those on maps too in films. That's true. To measure true. stuff. You get the compasses to a specific angle. You plop, plop, plop. You walk it about. You've measured. So my question is, what's the point in learning that skill if I've literally not used it in the last 12 years? Uh, well, I don't think school actually teaches you many things you, you use day to day. I think the purpose of school is teaching you how to learn stuff, ah. which is what we forget when schools are all test based and memorization based. And it becomes this big mess of like, I'm dumber than someone else because I didn't revise the right question. Nah, That's true. The best thing you learn in school is how to how to absorb information. And I think that schools forget that that's the important skill. I will uh, always harbour resentment against my S5 maths teacher, Mrs. Simpson, who told us we didn't need to study a, a particular area of maths because it wouldn't come up in the exam. And lo and behold, the last question of the higher paper yeah. was on this yeah. specific area. And oh man, yeah. we were all furious yeah. at Mrs. Simpson. But that, that, that's, that's why school, that's why education systems are pretty messed up in general. It's, they're, they're all based in the past where like, you didn't have access to the entire world of information in your pocket. That's very true. <laughs> like, how easy would exams be if you were allowed to use your phone? <laughs> what were you like in school? I was terrible. Lazy. Lazy ass. Really? It was never challenging. So I just grew, grew lazier and lazier every year. <laughs> like, I never aimed to get all A's. I wasn't a student who wanted to get the best pass marks possible. So I knew that even if I didn't try, I'd get like a C at the worst. <laughs> which I did. I got a C at the worst. Okay. And then that got appealed up to a B because I'm one of those kids. Uh, but So all I learned in school was how to how to be lazy and not study, which was really useless when it came time to be at uni. I was going to say that's really like stood you in good stead then. No, it was awful. Terrible place, terrible place to, to be when you go into higher education is how, to, how you've learned to be lazy and just coast by. Life lessons with James. So that's what I've done my whole life. Be lazy and coast by. No, don't do it. But school, school will teach you to. If you're like smarter than than your school level, because you can't get bumped up a grade too easily here. But if you're smarter just enough to make the exams easy and to make the classes easy, you won't you won't be challenged, and it'll be really boring. And then you'll just learn how to be lazy and have a have a blast. But that's not good, because then you don't have a good work ethic ever. I've got a terrible work ethic. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh well, at least you can at least you can see that. Oh, self aware as well. Just adds to the pain. <laughs> Seas Operate episode 194. Welcome, everybody. I am Colin, and he is James. This is the uh, podcast that happens, the podcast that doles out life advice to people who are still in yep. school. We are now an advice podcast, and since nobody asked us any questions, we're just going to wing it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, last week we were talking about filling in VAT returns on self-employed tax forms. Now we're talking about attitudes in school and, and why school's terrible. Yeah. What next? We really should just like start spouting our fourth our knowledge 
on a podcast that is exclusively about our thoughts on things or something like that. Do you know what I see sometimes is people who have a, a podcast, and I'm not saying this is a good idea for us, people who have a podcast and it's kind of like, it's it's fine, it, it goes along, and then they'll introduce a Patreon or, hey, everybody, you have to start paying for this podcast. I think if we did that, we would literally get zero dollars for, for we, that. So yeah, yeah, we... We get zero. Despite the fact that we, we, we have this sage advice, I think it is best if we just continue to keep it free. Hey, podcasts podcast's always going to be free. No, it? of course, always, always. I don't, think, I don't think I've encountered a podcast that demands your money. I think there's plenty that ask you to support them, and they'll, sometimes they'll put out an entire episode of like begging you for your money, which kind of sucks <laughs> a wee bit. Or this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Yeah, sponsors I don't... I, I would never want to accept a sponsorship from something I don't like haven't used myself that feels like too strong an endorsement so squarespace for starters i couldn't use because their podcast infrastructure sucks i think we we did advertise stone studios for the short amount of time it was a thing and he sold a house yeah i have i had been in a house though that that, that stone had made to be so. fair we were yeah we were actually responsible for selling that house so 100 track record yeah. <laughs> we could actually go out to advertisers and say, hey, we, we sold a house worth like 150 grand yeah. based on the fact that it was on a podcast. It was on a podcast and then it got sold. So we get the credit. So and message to anyone out there with a small business who wants to sell expensive things. Yeah. Get in touch. Get in touch. But you got to remember that I've got to at least have knowledge of the thing and tried it to make sure it's good. Because there's one company that goes about sponsoring lots of gaming content called Manscaped. <laughs> right. So they sell like male grooming products for of your course. downstairs bush. Nice. Uh, slash upstairs if you want to use it there too. And uh-huh. underarms if you want to use it. Just like for general male grooming. They also sell foot deodorant and stuff like that. All the man stuff. Foot deodorant? Man. Yeah, because men's feet stink. Right. Okay. They, 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 they sponsored huge big events for thousands and thousands. But their products are like not what something I would endorse. Terrible? Because they have sent samples over. To you? And it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. And yeah, and I, I was like, I, te- I tested it out on some, some, some hairs and it was like biting and grabbing instead of just like slicing through like my actual good clippers yes well as as we say if you'd like to be sponsored or be mentioned in the show <laughs> you want us to sponsor your business exactly say it's brought to you by seesaw parade and everyone says who yeah, you say exactly yeah. any pubs out there wanting an, an, uh, <laughs> us to give you an entire month's revenue let's yeah let's let's do a live podcast in your pub Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, what's on the show today. Coming up, uh, we've got a first look at the likes of Westworld and Stranger Things, new seasons. Uh, Billie Eilish's James Bond song is out. We'll chat about that. Yeah. Uh, We'll also talk about the fact that it's been raining for about two weeks solid and uh, places in England are rather unhappy about that. But let's start Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with the news that, as feared, the UK government has been confirmed as totally racist. This is the news that low-skilled workers would not get visas under these new post-Brexit yeah. immigration plans unveiled by yeah. Westminster. So, yeah, what's their definition of unskilled? An amount of money. Skill is measured by money. Yeah, so, so the government's urging employers to move away from relying on cheap labour from Europe and invest in retaining right. staff yeah. and developing automation. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Home yeah. Office said... EU and non-EU citizens coming to the UK would be treated equally after the freedom of movement ends at, uh, well, midnight on December 31st yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James, first reaction to this? Well, what they've done is they've taken the previous immigration policy and just stuck some numbers on it, basically. They haven't actually changed much. They haven't made it easier or more difficult. They just made it a bit of math to figure out how many of the things you you tick the boxes for because like I've seen this before. I've I've looked into the immigration to the UK. Yeah, and it was already about how much money you made. It just didn't have a ten points for this much money situation. It was just do you have this much money? But it's it's ridiculous that we define what labour we need by the amount of money that the job offers because most of the shortages, at least and especially in Scotland, are in low income jobs. And how are they going to get filled now? Because it's not like you can ask someone in the middle of England who's not got a job, please move to north of Scotland to fill in a care a care home position. Yeah. They're not going to do that. One of the big problems that Britain faces with its workforce is that nobody likes moving anywhere, especially not people in the areas of England that are um, that have unemployment problems. They, just, they don't want to move places. They want jobs to be created where they are. 
that will only happen if we have a growing economy, which will only happen if we have a growing labor force, which won't happen if we've closed our borders. Exactly. Let me give you some insight. We did some media training with the National Records of Scotland this week, and one of their uh, upcoming research papers is looking into the population in Scotland over the next 25 years. Yeah. And they their message is essentially this. Deaths and births are going to cancel themselves out mm-hmm. virtually. So Scotland is relying on inward migration, which is a fancy way of saying more people moving to Scotland yeah. to continue the growth of the economy. Yeah, because you need a bigger workforce to support the ageing population. Precisely. Stop. Which, which is why I see this as a, a fairly large problem. The Home Secretary, Priti Patel, who has come under a lot of fire in recent weeks for just being a terrible person. uh, Recent years. Yes, indeed. uh, Told the BBC that uh, the government wants to encourage people with the right talent to come to the country and reduce the levels of people coming to the UK with low skills. Now, let me just say uh, at this point, there are at least two people I know, uh, friends or people I used to work with, who came to the UK with very little, having barely any English, but being very good at a chosen career Mm -hmm. in their own native countries. However, they were not going to get that job just like that. They had to work up to it. So they came to the UK, did, you know, worked in bars or... Take what they could. The the sort of hourly rate, minimum pay jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And have worked their way up to be a successful person in their chosen career. Now, they were never going to get that job straight off the bat. Yeah. And... The fact that the UK government is just saying, actually, you know what? Forget everybody you used to hire. We only want people who are the right kind of people. Is, to me, a slap in the face to the whole, the huge amount of people who see coming to the UK as they, they come with it with hope of a better life, of let's make something of myself in this yeah, yeah, great yeah. country. But it's also not a selfish hope because they have this idea, like, this is just proven by statistics immigrants have this idea of paying back in a greater amount than than people who are originally from the uk well, exactly. so immigrants immigrants over a life will pay an uh, average amount of tax that is higher than someone who was born a resident just because they've got this mindset of i'll get to this better place it will make my life better and then i will contribute more to make it an even better place here's a question is this then as i may have teed up in my introduction to this, a racist policy. Uh, I'm not sure about racist. Elitist, for sure. It's like anti-poor. Like most of the Tory policies are, it's just anti-poor. They don't want poor people to be able to move and to be free to do stuff. They only want people who are wealthy to be able to do stuff. And sure, they've got some little policies or they've labelled some uh, areas of employment as necessary. So even if you don't hit the right marks, you might get in to fill in this shortage here. But they're saying things like care, the care industry isn't a shortage and the tourism industry hasn't got a shortage. Right. When they do. So it's just it's just a bunch of uh, lies that they're selling to try and get this across. One final discussion point before we move on. Priti Patel has added that businesses could also recruit from among the 8 million economically inactive yeah. potential workers in the UK. But the SNP have responded to calling this a ridiculous, dangerous idea as many people in this group are suffering with ill health or injury. Yeah. These are the very people who need to be looked after. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's another reason that we need this immigration to be ticking up is because uh, we've got a population that can't work and can't be and like i'm going to quote here and it's a disgusting term economically active right but the tory party and pretty patel and all of her advisors apparently view people who are unable to directly contribute to the economy as a problem uh-huh. which is awful it's an awful thing to say because some people aren't able to do work. It is our responsibility to give them the means to survive and to live and to thrive and to have a great life. Mm -hmm. Instead of being like, well, how much can you work? Can you work like one hour a day? Can you contribute to the economy sometimes, please? Uh, Can we take you off the dole now, please? Can Can we stop giving you welfare? And you see all the stories coming out of people that are getting taken off welfare because they were able to make a cup of tea or able to make it to the to the meeting with yeah. their advisor and stuff like that. It's disgusting the way that people are being viewed uh, uh, when they need the help that they need. And the only, the only way to fix it when we've got an aging population, declining birth rate, and uh, uh, lots of people that need welfare is immigration. Mm-hmm. 
So there's this chat about Scotland getting its own independent visa, and that seems to be a solution to aim for. Okay, let's move on and talk about Caroline Flack. Now, this happened shortly after our last episode, so we've missed essentially the the instant reactions here. But let's just talk about a little bit further about the media's coverage of, well, her, first of all. Yeah. So let's just say, first of all, 40-year-old Caroline Flack uh, took her life at the weekend. She was uh, heavily involved in Love Island, had done a whole bunch of shows over the years, was set to do a new Channel 4 show. And first and, first and foremost, that's a tragedy. It's That's awful. Mm-hmm. What is what is done ever since that? There has been the sudden flip of the coin, and now the Sun uh, have you know pursued a furious backlash against the Crown Prosecution Service for yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, pursuing this domestic violence case that she was facing in March. Yeah. But now people are looking at well, how did the media cover Caroline Flack in the six months yeah, before well, how she did died? The sun cover her, yeah. Right. So this this is this is what the the news has found. It's Guardian analysis has showed the Sun published 99 articles about Caroline Flack in the six months before she died. And the total figure uh, from British national newspapers was 387, just 13 short of 400 different stories. And in the month that she was charged with the assault, Flack received twice as many negative headlines as positive. The the one thing that you can say without question is the media have played a role in what led to her taking her own life. That, to me, yeah. is unquestionable. Yeah. It, this is, it's a difficult story to, to comment on. How would you summarise the media's behaviour, right. James? Well, so the media reporting on a person of interest being involved in and in getting in a, a charge of assault is a bit to be expected. I can't say I'm surprised by the statistic that she received more negative headlines that month yep. than she received positive ones. Um, and the Crown Prosecution Service choosing to try and continue the prosecution even though the uh, uh, the guy involved wanted the case to be dropped isn't unusual because assault cases often involve like manipulations of different kind of people. Yeah, so, so they have to continue with that. I get that. Yeah, Um the media, though, are just doing the standard British media thing. They've got no care for anyone involved. So they're reporting on it not out of a good place of like spreading an awareness of a thing. They're reporting it not out of uh, trying to give someone a bit of help and a spotlight when they need it. All the media's intention to do was to sell papers, make big headlines, make big money, make the story bigger and bigger and bigger drag it on for as long as they can. And in this instance, it's ended up with a person they were seeing and reporting in this massive negative light, taking their life. Yeah. And uh, For all we know, it could have ended up with the the guy doing the same, right? If he, he could have felt like it's all his fault that this is going on and done it. Now, the media treated this whole situation of no candor at all. And it's not, it's not okay. Like, if someone makes a mistake, you report it and then you let the um, court do its thing. You don't, keep hounding someone if you're seeing that the courts are doing their thing you don't keep hounding them because this kind of thing happens and in the end we don't get justice in the end we don't get fairness because we don't know what um what justice would have been now for the guy involved let me just before we move on ask this question in the wake of her death there was a an outpouring of messages on social media about can we just be kind to one another. Right, yeah. And that seemed to last for all of about 72 hours, and then suddenly I'm seeing videos on social media of a non-binary person, a video that they had posted about the challenges of going to, to a hairdresser's or a barber's and, you know, the awkwardness that that may entail. And people were just jumping on this guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, saying all sorts of horrible things, and people were saying, look, it was three days ago, we were all saying, look... We are we all just- saying, hey... Let's be good people. Let's be nice to one another. And then suddenly there's someone else that perhaps you disagree with or are uncomfortable with and we're back to the same old, same old. Do you do you believe anything will change? No. Nor do I. So people like to be a part of the in crowd and the powerful crowd. And people don't like their worldview to be challenged. So right now we've got a lot of um, talk going on about trans rights and the rights of... Uh, non-binary people and um, gender self-identification and all this stuff 
and it's challenging a lot of people's view of the world. I don't know how it is because it doesn't actually change them at all, but it is. Yeah, it doesn't affect you at all. And therefore they lash out. And the media, being the media and wanting to make money, will always make money off scandal. So the two, those are the two things. People like to to be comfortable in the in the majority, not be challenged, and the media likes to make money. So nothing's going to change about either of those things without some serious like legislation for the media and without some serious legislation for social media. But you can't really do that. Well, yeah. I mean, one suggestion I saw was Twitter was to start taking people's passport details so that everyone was accountable. Ooh. Uh, no. D- no. Well, see, that's that's where you've gone too far. But there has to be a middle ground somewhere where yeah. trolls, people who are, for example, my friend Amy Irons, who is a BBC Scotland personality, mm-hmm. uh, radio presenter, her former boyfriend took his own life at the end of 2018. Yeah. She, as recently as last week, had been trolled by someone saying, was it your fault that your boyfriend killed himself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But some an anonymous person online. Like, that's yeah. horrendous. And there has to be a way to stop that from happening, or at least making that person... <sighs> accountable they already are though it's just they're too the government and the police are too uh, either overburdened or too lazy to dig into those right um situations like twitter okay. could twitter could identify whoever sent that already they don't need a passport you don't need to yep. verify yourself we're all tracked 100 percent of the time and being tracked 100 percent of the time is disgusting and horrible when it's removed i'll want to i'll want to talk about how to keep people safe online but right now the government and the police have all the powers they need to track us all the time. <laughs> They've got more than they would ever need. Well, you've taken us a, a very nice segue. Here we go back to the UK and the UK government. Downing Street has said this week its advisor, Andrew Sabisky, has resigned. <laughs> yeah, speaking of knowing everything about Twitter. Following criticism of alleged past remarks he's made on pregnancies, <laughs> eugenics and race. I like, so- I like how it's alleged when it's all like... <laughs> basically in print it's yes. all it's all published so labor had called for mr sabisky to go after he said black people had lower average iqs than white people yeah, yeah. he's also uh, reported to have said compulsory contraception could prevent creating a permanent underclass yeah and uh, so he's basically a racist and a sexist and an elitist all meshed together so perfect for a tory advisor he also talked during Schools Week in 2016, that the benefits of a purported cognitive enhancer, uh, which can actually prove fatal, yeah, he said, are probably worth a dead kid once a year. Yeah, yeah, eugenics is worth it if you only have a few kids die. And here's another one. In Twitter uh, Twitter posts from last year, he said, I am comfortable in saying that women's sport is more comparable to the Paralympics than it is to men. Yeah. Yeah, so, so this guy, a disgusting human being in general. This guy had been brought in because the government were appear they appealed for weirdos, weirdos ge- yeah. genuinely radical for weirdos, weirdos to join the government so they could have a whole range of interesting views. You want broad ideas, ideas are ideas are good. Called sorry, misfits and weirdos to apply misfits for jobs and weirdos, yeah. at Downing Street, and this guy has now been right. found out to be actually much more than just a bit weird. Yeah, total it's, racist. It's very weird to me how many complete racist ideas and how many completely classist ideas and how many completely elitist ideas are just branded as like innocent ideas these days like oh no it was just a discussion point like it's fine to be talking about these things nope it's not fine to be talking about these things it's statistically not fine to be talking about these things if the government has has visible racists in it racism goes on the rise yep. in the in the whole country so it's not okay <laughs> okay finally before we move on to some lighter news let's talk the wait, wait 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 he didn't even get fired he quit yeah he quit yeah he resigned yeah it's embarrassing it's, it's also embarrassing that he made it past the process of getting the getting the gig like how many jobs can you walk into and not have them check out your twitter your entire history of tweeting yeah like did they not do that it just took a bunch of people just tweeting and just checking his Twitter once to find out how bad he was. Checked his Reddit once, he found out how bad he was. Like, how? Like, the question becomes did they just miss it because they're completely incompetent or were they trying to make headlines happen so that we'd miss another story? 
I'm thinking it's because they're incompetent. Well, yeah. Okay, let's move on. One final story. Uh, The widespread flooding, which is happening down south, uh, several areas of England and Wales uh, are essentially underwater. Yeah. yeah, Uh, yeah. Whole streets, whole towns have been flooded, rivers bursting their banks, all in the wake of Storm Dennis. Yeah. Uh, And severe flood warnings still remain in place. People are picking their way through the remnants of their flooded, deluged homes. The news here is that Boris Johnson... And his response or lack thereof has been severely criticised because he's yet to visit any of these flood hit communities. Are you surprised, James? And Boris Johnson having empathy? No. <laughs> it would take it would take him caring about people to go and do anything. He doesn't care about people unless they are wealthy and donating to him, in which case he cares about them. But he doesn't care about actual catastrophes and disasters. I say hypothetically. In case he hears this and cares for about me for the first time ever. I, no, I would say no. But the acting Liberal Democrat <laughs> leader, Ed Davey, has uh, accused him of pretending that the floods were not happening. Yeah. And Downing Street said he had no plans to visit any of the areas affected by the flooding and would instead spend the day working from a country house in Kent. Yeah, no, no. It's a completely silent government we've got right now. So they didn't have anything to say about the dude. And they didn't have anything to say about the floods. They won't have or anything the fact to that say. People have died. Yeah, they won't have anything to say about anything. It's always going to be statements like, "Our views on this have been well published." And they're like, "Well, where have you published them?" Our views on this have been well published. It's going to be like talking to a to a little robot answering machine whenever you try to address this government and its spokespeople. They've learned a lot from how uh, the American um, um, system has, has worked. Yep. Just like not answering questions but still being popular. It works. And I genuinely think part of this is the fact that some of the flooding is occurring or some of the flooding flooding in public areas is occurring uh, worse than it should be because a bunch of rich folks are burning down trees and doing land clearances Mm -hmm. and all this stuff, which makes flooding more more likely in the metropolitan areas downstream. And they don't want anyone to notice so they don't have to legislate so their rich friends can't just do whatever they want. But that's what they're doing. So they're doing. The rich friends are doing whatever they want. It makes flooding worse. So of course we want to ignore it because it's partly down to the rich people's faults. Okay, right. Let's uh, move in a sharp hairpin turn on to what we've been watching this week, James. I've seen a couple of movies. Hey, you've seen things as well. Also, uh, yes. Let's uh, let's chat about them. I'm going to start. What would you All like right. to hear first, Richard? Richard, okay, right. So this is the film Richard Jewell, yeah. which may be unfamiliar. However, Kathy Bates was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for her role in this film. Uh-huh. It is about a, it's a true story from the, I want to say, 96 Atlanta Olympics in the United States and a security guard who found a bomb at a concert that was being held during oh, yeah. the Olympics, yeah, yeah, yeah. alerted the authorities essentially averted disaster only one person was killed but then he became the prime suspect yeah into this bombing and his life was essentially forever changed because he went from hero to this guy did it it is a harrowing story and my goodness kathy bates you know it makes me second guess my laura dern um pick because Ooh. she's phenomenal you actually just want to reach out and give her a big hug she's traumatized by what's happening to her son it is Sam Rockwell is also in this film. He's excellent, ah. and um, I think it's Paul Wallerhauser who's the main character. He's he's the kind of guy who he's a bit part in any other movie, but because the lead role in this film is essentially like a bit part security guard, he fits it perfectly. It's perfect. Yeah, it is a Clint Eastwood directed movie. I believe he may have also scripted it as well as directing it. All right. And so here's the thing: I really enjoyed it, but. It's like the dialogue and the editing is all over the place. Oh no. We're, we're, we're suddenly going, we're jumping from scene to scene with like a crossfade and dialogue is left open-ended and scenes stop sooner than you expect them to. And it's clunky in places. So like I'm sitting, thinking about that whilst I'm watching it and it's taking me away from the enjoyment of the film because I'm saying, well, that was a weird edit yeah, yeah, or yeah. that was a strange way to join that scene onto the next one. Mm. And suddenly, you know, for, the, for example, the film ends 
and you can look this up because it's a true story. The film ends with the guy being cleared and the final line of the film, it's like six years later oh, no. and here's Sam Rockwell's character going up to his pal, the, the cop, who's now a real cop and not just a security guard. Ooh. And he's like, hey, hey, guess what? This actual guy, he's just been arrested for the bombing. And then the, the dude's like, oh, fantastic. And the film ends. Freeze frame. And that's it. They just jump in the air. Freeze frame. Yeah, they just, uh, no, they, and that's like, the, the film just stops at that point. And it's the uh. most, uh, like, they, sh- they could have done it so much better. And so I can completely see why the only awards recognition it got was for Kathy Bates. Because as a film, right, yeah. in terms of directing, editing, room for scripting, it is all over the shop. However, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the strength of the story, on the strength of the performances, it is worth watching. So if, if you... It'll go on Netflix eventually. It's of course, yeah, essentially yeah, yeah. bombed at the box office. So when you see Richard Jewell on Netflix, absolutely... Give it a watch. Sounds sounds good. Okay, James, I can see you've seen Lion. Is that the Dev Patel film? No, it's okay. an anime. I'm tricking oh. you, Colin. <laughs> right, no, it's, well, it's, 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 I've talked about this uh, show before. It's season two of okay, let's start there, then. March Comes In Like a Lion. Oh, yeah. You may remember I described season one. It's about a bo- guy who plays a board game. It's similar Is season to two called April Comes In Like a Tiger? No, still the same, still the same show title. I just okay. called it season two. I think they did give it a tagline, but I don't remember the tagline. Uh, anyway, it's just Easter the, sh- is coming. the show is still absolutely beautiful. Uh, it's a like still it's about a young kid who's dealing with like s- mental health s- struggles while also being in a competitive sport slash um, chess esque sport, um, while also trying to manage uh, school life. Um, but this season does doubles Dino even into a thing that the previous season was doing, where like it adds so much story to a bunch of the side characters and more than you expect so it's also there's a huge focus on school bullying in this one Uh, and it's done in such a real and excellent way where you see uh, one of the characters go through this horrible um, bullying situation they're getting bullied because they stood up for for their friend um, and how it gets um, how it expands and eventually gets resolved. Parents getting brought in, um, lots of denials, lots of um, pleading, lots of um, desperation, oh, and then just like the head teacher being an absolute boss about it all. Um, but it's all so real and all felt so grounded. Um, uh, and that's just one of the storylines. There's still the entire competitive chess esque aspects. It's called shogi. The competitive shogi aspects to it, um, where you follow different characters as they. Um, build up to their big game and try and win the next match. Let, let me ask then, is is it more focused on the sport or the competitive aspect or more on the actual behind the scenes life aspect? It's definitely more behind the scenes this time around. There still is a lot of the game and you see some, you still learn a lot about the game, which is great. Um, and we're talking about the highest level of players because there's episodes dedicated to just like two old dudes playing it. Um, there's an episode dedicated to the story of the bald guy who who was uh, one of the early antagonists, if anyone in this show is an antagonist. Okay. Um, and how, how he cares for pigeons. Like, <laughs> like, genuinely, it's a beautiful, beautiful show um, with like the animation, sound design, story, but the characters are what makes it the most beautiful. They all just feel so real, right. uh, so flawed. Like they're all dealing with like mental health or physical health issues. Like nobody's perfect, and this this captures that so well. Okay, well, moving on to from how anime captures that really well to how <laughs> wow. Harley you. Quinn and Birds of Prey fails to. Let's talk about that. Oh boy, yeah. So this is the new DC film, which is officially called Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous it. Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. I thought they changed it to just be Birds of Prey. No, they still have that as like the the subtitle. All right, all right, all right. But certainly Cineworld are retitling it again to Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. (laughs) Because clearly people are looking at it and saying, I don't want to see another Sir David Attenborough documentary. I know, right? So (laughs) let's just, I'm going to set set some some groundwork here. The film as a whole is vastly underperforming compared to other DC films. I believe maybe there's just a lack of an appetite for this film. It's just nobody wanted to see it. (laughs) Let's. I'll, I'll start with the, pros, the the positives. Margot Robbie's great. Uh-huh. She gives. She adds more layers to Harley Quinn in this film than she does in Suicide Squad. However, what I would say, and I'm 
very swiftly moving on to the to the cons here. I'll, I'll go back to the pros in a minute. <laughs> There's the pro. I'll go back to the, yeah. Hold on. She, I thought she did the character more justice in Suicide Squad because in this film, as much as they're trying to show her as an antihero, and of course she does like a couple of things which are a bit iffy, she eventually recants, and by the end of the film, she's she's kind of like a good guy again. Aww. So. Whereas at least with Suicide Squad, she was very openly like a bad person. I mean, that's the so, whole point. She's bad. Back to the pros. Ewan McGregor, despite having an accent which is a mix of basically every place on the planet. Right, good is, lad with his accent work, top quality stuff. He he's he does make an entertaining bad guy, and there is I mean, Kel Surprise here, he does not last till the end of the movie. <laughs> and the way he's seen off is inventive, I'll give you that. All right, okay. okay. Which is um it's a, a pretty savage way to go, but yeah, I enjoyed it. The rest of the supporting cast, the Birds of Prey in question, all of whom are given backstories, screen time, decent dialogue to work with, and the whole fact that the Joker isn't in it is dealt with the the very opening five minutes, and it's done very well. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you that, you know, he's, the Joker is acknowledged without him being like the screaming absence from the film. It's his absence is the whole reason that everything else is set off in a chain reaction right so those aspects all really good and one final thing i believe margot robbie did about 90 percent of the stunts here and you can tell that because she is very she's very visible in these yeah it's not like cut to a wide with her face turning away no so you can see that and so that's really cool that she's she's done all that nice the cons are that i just this, like, why does this film exist? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> there's, that's what I've heard. there's no reason for this film to be here other than okay, we we see there's marketable potential here with Margot Robbie's character. Everybody loves Harley. She's selling so much merchandise. Let's make another film. The, the film itself, in terms of where it sits in the DC or in the just the superhero genre, it is smack bang in the middle. Right. It is neither a great film, but it's also not terrible. Okay. You know, I'd. It's it, between that and Suicide Squad. It's very much a toss-up. I actually thought Suicide Squad entertained me more. Mm-hmm. However, the likes of Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who plays Huntress in this film, she's great. She essentially is playing the, the straight man to everyone else's kind of cartoony nice. okay. um, portrayals, and so yeah, that's great. that's good. What yeah. I'd say is that's my summary. The film as bit parts, like everyone's doing little things really well, but take it all together, and it's just nah. I just didn't feel. I just wasn't feeling it. Right. And it's, it, you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's not, you know, Batman versus Superman levels of terrible. It's certainly not just the Justice League levels of terrible. Right. But in terms yeah. of what I know this genre can do, it's nowhere near the top. Right. That's how, that's how I'd sum it yeah. up. Yeah. There's also the whole aspect of it that um, nobody saw this film, but everybody saw Sonic. <laughs> so the bar is pretty low for like, I'm yet to see how it. good you film you have to be to get people to see it because Sonic has broken records it's the best video game release ever it did better than Detective Pikachu which is mental and I think the whole redesigned fiasco has actually done wonders for its, for its numbers well and apparently it's not a bad film right but if you told me like a year ago that Sonic was going to do reviews have been uh, alright exponentially better than Birds of Prey I would have been like <laughs> Nah, it yep. looks awful. They both look awful, but everybody likes Harley Quinn. Yeah, but you know, like Harley Quinn, like and whatever the whatever whatever has really so poorly. It's, it's it's basically a bomb. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, James, what else have you been seeing? Time is ticking away. Well, we've mentioned I have seen the King. Right, I want to hear about this because this is the Timothy Chalamet, Robert yeah. Pattinson Netflix movie, yeah, right? The Netflix film about the reluctant King, whose name I've forgotten. Probably Edward Henry. Though. Henry. Uh, Henry. <laughs> Probably Henry, though. <laughs> Cut that for a, so I get it right, because I never make mistakes. Nope. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually enjoyed it a lot. Uh, more than I thought I would, because in the trailer, it just looked like they were going for, here's everybody doing Game of Thrones <laughs> voices, and yep. there's swords. Wow, look at this drama and sex. Wow. What made it work? But in real life, it's just like, here's a depressed kid. <laughs> watch him try to be king when he doesn't want to be <laughs> and it works real well he we see this depressed kid who is forced to be the king um through means he did not want to become the king and he has to deal with like just the general politics of being a king in them days where everybody wanted the realm to do what they wanted to and he's been forced to go into a war with france and he has to do it and patents since they're being a big old annoying kid about it 
But is his French accent really bad? Yeah, the French accents are pretty bad. Uh, but that's acceptable because the French wouldn't have spoken very good French back then, right? It's an old language. Um, they would have had a completely different kind of French. So their English, English French accents would have been really different. Oh, fair enough. Uh, but no, overall, like, it's well done. Artistically, it looks good. Stylistically, it looks good. The fight scenes are actually good, which surprised me because all of these are usually like, um, here's a big pile up of bodies. Do the bodies thing, which we notice it is in there. But they it's, also have one or two moments where it's like, all right, I see what's happened. This is realistic. Right. Were there any any sort of Game of Thrones ripoffs of these ba- battle scenes? It did. The trailer yeah, no, had so one it, at least. Initially, initially, it did look like it was just going to be a, hey, big pile of bodies, big pile of bodies, chaos, chaos, chaos. How did he survive? Um, but it pays off in this one. In this film, it, it has the payoff to, to that happening. I still don't think it's too realistic that the big pile of bodies happens because that's not how battles go. You don't just like charge each other and then everybody intermingles and all of a sudden you just know who your enemies are even though you all look exactly the same are you speaking from experience of battles uh i speak from from great levels of experience um well no you think about it right everybody gets covered in mud they're all wearing shiny armor if your if your front lines aren't really obviously there how are you going to know who to kill so this film does that where like the front lines get it's, mixed up. It's not up. like they wore like nice colors. Yeah, they're all just looking the same thing. You just have to know who all your pals they, are. Everyone looks the same and you're like, I don't know who the good guys and the bad guys are. They're just trying to... And then and then it's over. But the battle isn't the big moment is the great thing. It's all about the po- political buildup. It's all about like how they, how they make the battle work, their tactics, um, how it all comes to an end. And the way it ends is amazing. I love it. Really? Yeah. It just... Yeah, so... I'm going to have to add this to my watch list. It's paralleled as well. Like, the ending, is, it has a parallel earlier in the film, so I just like it. Okay. Lots of it is, like, calling back to previous things it did. Everything it's doing is kind of justified. It's a bit slapdash. It's a bit... Obviously, it would have been a better TV show, I think. Um, but overall, I, I would recommend it as a good as a good film. Okay, time is really going. So uh, you've got one more thing on one your more, list. Yeah, we won't talk about this one too long because season two is already out. I watched Titans season one quite a while ago and that's just the dc tv show for the young ones them young heroes and it's all right oh yeah, yeah. is it how is it it's clunky but it's all right it's good background <laughs> tv but it's real clunky like it just zips through the story nothing oh, really nothing's earned nothing's nothing's worked hard on it's kind of like here's a set piece here's what's going to happen oh here's another one and here's what happens there look we got this guy now oh i like how we dealt with that uh, it just zips past everybody. It introduces a whole bunch of characters that they're probably trying to justify making separate TV shows for. It's very clearly like average TV that is going to make good money. So of course they've made season two, which will probably also be average TV that will make good money. I would still stay. Watch it if you like superhero stuff, um, especially if you like um, more gritty um, superhero stuff. Uh, and you have an attachment to the titans it's like it does it justice but it is it's clunky superhero tv it's like middling for for the marvel shows that's what i would say similar to some of the the marvel shows that were all right but not awful okay right let's move on because time is departing us once again we've got a few trailers to look at (laughs) let's start with westworld season three here's a here's the first full trailer we've talked about the teasers before full trailer here we go i was born into this world And my first memories of it are pain. For my kind, there was one place we were never allowed to go. One place we were never allowed to see. Your world. Okay, James, I Mm -hmm. will start by saying Westworld Season 1 was really good, really enjoyed it. Revolutionary. Season 2 was uh was definitely enjoyable was it was a show was fine yeah. this trailer i hated it i absolutely hated it yeah no i think it's uninspired it's perhaps just the, the choice of dialogue but the fact you're just like what are we gonna do what's our plan b kill, kill, kill everybody. everyone i'm cool you're like come on i am bad you've got to do better than that yeah. Is is that just what they've resorted to now? And then we're talking about like saving the world. I mean, come on. This well, show yeah. was self-contained. It was this theme park and now we're in this futuristic world. Now, I like the aesthetic of it. I like the way it looks. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Fine. Oh, it still looks but good. Yeah, but I'm no I'm I'm it. not holding my breath over this because season 2 was a step down from season 1. Yeah. And unless this show really grabs my attention, 
which is too early to say, but certainly by the looks of the trailer, I did not like this at all. Go. Yeah, season two, the more I think about it, the more I don't like it. And the more I realize the parts I do like are the things that didn't feel like they were contributing to the overall driving point of the show. I think they lost track of what they wanted to do. Right. Uh, I think they made season two because it made season one made money. I don't think they had a plan. So I doubt they've got a plan for season three. Okay. And now that they've left the park and we don't get to do the, here's a new park character and here's them learning about stuff. Yeah. Cool thing. It's not going to be as good because the, the fun and the good stories in this show come from the park and come from the different characters there. But now we're just like, go in real life, blow things up. Human human bosses bad. Yep. Which I agree with. Human bosses generally are bad. And you've you've got like I don't think that's the point of the show. You've now got people like Vincent Castle, who's a really good actor, mm-hmm. just saying to Maeve, Oh, by the way, Maeve, I want you to go and kill Dolores. You're like, what? That's a, nothing to do with the previous two seasons. Yeah, no. So I'm just generally feeling like they didn't have a didn't didn't have a plan and they're just taking the characters that have survived and putting them in a new place and yeah. hoping for the best. That's that's um, my view on that as well. Which is yeah. a shame because I mean, I I feel there was so much more they could have done with that with the show, yeah. particularly the the first season and how yeah. it, and the places it went after that. They, but, they should have what? dropped the multiple timelines aspect of it for season two. That was a thing that only worked in season one, um, and I absolutely think that the better call would have just been going to a different park and doing a different story entirely. Right. Okay. Anyway, let's move on. Stranger Things season four has a teaser. It's without any dialogue, so I'm not going to play it. However. Go and give it a watch if you want to be spoiled, James. Which you just uh, did by mentioning it. Ah, the th- but this is the thing. This is my problem a, with it. I don't think it's a spoiler, really. We it is a spoiler. It. We all knew. So season three ended yeah. with a certain major character being zapped into a, no. some hole. No, it didn't end with him being zapped. It ended with him maybe being zapped. They were hinting that he, he possibly got zapped because the big explosion happened and then he wasn't there anymore. I, right, exactly. So now he's been <laughs> essentially transported to yeah. the other side of the world. Or was it like the the last scene in season three was like a bunch of Russians talking about the American in a cage, in a prison. Fine. So they had the American in a prison. It was either going to be um, Mustache Kid or the old guy from season one who we all thought was dead. Turns out it's Mustache Boy, but that was inevitable. Again, this is my second trailer. I did not like. Did you? What did you Isn't think? It- it didn't do anything for me, but I don't think it was a spoiler. I just, I just, it also didn't give me any excitement. I was like, well, of course he's he's there, but how are they going to make this work as a story arc? But it didn't make me like think, oh, I'm excited to find out how they make this work as a story arc. I was just thinking, right, right, this is what I expected. Thanks. Okay. Okay. One final trailer, and this is the Green Knight. <laughs> this is as Knight with a K. Yeah. Dev Patel. As I presume said Green Knight. Yeah. Which is based on, I want to say, an Arthurian legend. Yeah, Arthurian stuff. Yeah, so the 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 knight who said to this guy, uh, right, you, you're allowed to strike any blow against me you like, and I've got to come back in a year and I get to do the same thing to you. And mm. the knight said, Yeah, sure. And so he cut his head off. And then the guy picks up his head and says, Right, I'll see you in a year. That yeah. is essentially what this film is based on. Mm. What do you think about the trailer? I thought this looked amazing. I would agree. Like, yeah, it just has such a unique style. I thought in the original shot, I was like, all right, I see what they're doing. It's just another, like, here's an epic throne room. Look at our epic story. But then it got more and more weird and more and more artsy and they kept adding new stuff and it just got more and more intriguing and beautiful. So I'm all I'm all for it. It was about midway through this this trailer and I thought, wow, this looks like things I've never seen in a film before. Exactly. There's new stuff. I'm excited for new things. Yeah, so I would agree with that because I was I was pleasantly surprised by this. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I thought, all right, another night thing. It's, it's, it's going to be another gritty reboot of uh, something. In this, in this case, it's a gritty reboot of an old story and they're going to try and make it real and make it realistic and it's going to be real boring but they haven't tried to make it realistic at all <laughs> just it's yeah great. just stuck with like floating fire of course of course yeah it, they just went right here's the stuff from the story that was completely mental we're sticking with it <laughs> okay uh james right one there's a giant yay <laughs> one final uh, piece of entertainment before we wrap up billy eilish's no time to die theme song has been released yeah what did yeah. you think yeah i did not have kind of predictions for this song to, well, I believe when we talked about it. We did it. talk about it, and it, I'll be honest, it didn't sound like what I expected it to sound like. No. No, I had I had low estimations, and this is this actually is a banger. 
this is a, this is a popper. This is a good right. theme tune. So tell me what what yeah what your thoughts on it then? Well, so I, th- I my prediction was just it was going to be another boring Bond esque theme that was going to be uninteresting. But what it actually is is a Billy a Billy track that's got Bond elements. Yes. So it's got the Bond esque brassy strings and sections and stuff, and it's got the slow melody that you always see in Bond stuff. But it feels very much like a Billy track, which is brilliant. Um, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, when it started I thought alright a bit generic a bit boring but the more I got into it the more I realised that I was really getting into the track so I'm really pleased yeah honestly I was I was expecting and this is my own stupidness expecting something along the lines of bad guy and so when I was it was going to bond plus glitchy effects yeah I was expecting almost like a Madonna die another day right yeah yeah, but It was totally different to that. She gets to show off her vocal capabilities. She's a great singer. And it's a nice, yeah, it's a good song. I liked it's it. An actual good theme for a film. Like, if you're going to have an intro theme, you got to do it well. And this one is actually real good. I'm, I'm happy. And granted, my happiness doesn't matter to to anyone in this production. But, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's such a surprise how much I liked it that I feel, I feel kind of bad for how, how low my expectations were. Okay. All right, James, we're out of time. How do people get in touch if they would... So please wish to do so. Yeah, yeah. Um, if if you have also seen any of the media that we've talked about uh, and you have opinions on it, please let us know your thoughts. Um, if you want to give us long-form thoughts, send them in an email to seesawparade at gmail.com. Do it. If you want to just give us a brief summary of your thoughts and stuff, tweet us at seesawparade. If you want to like draw your thoughts, make an art or an art piece about your thoughts and then show it to us, you can Snapchat it to Seesaw Parade. I suppose you could tweet that and email that too, but you know, it's one way to use Snapchat. Which, to be fair, the app is dying. Like, I, the amount of people who use it, use it has... Use it while it's still there, everyone. It's basically halved in the last three months. Oh, it's going downhill. Yeah, they it made is. a bunch Can of I, big mistakes. Also, shout out to uh, Janice, who clearly enjoyed Luna on the Trains, which is myself and James's musical project, is now out in the world. Go and enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, go listen to Loon and the Trains. It's on Spotify and everywhere else. It's awesome. I really like it. I'm very proud of that work. I'm so am I. Go us. Well done, us. Let's be proud of ourselves. Because we rarely do that, right? Yeah. We're not just egotistic people who have a podcast where they share their own opinions <laughs> and stuff. No, it's very good. I do enjoy yeah, it. I like it a lot. To. Let, us know, let us know what you think of our music, everyone. Okay, thanks, James. I'll see you next week. Yeah, right. Goodbye, Carl, and thanks for thanks for chatting. And goodbye, listeners. Thanks for listening. And uh, g- goodbye, racist people in the government. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>